Welcome everybody to First Principles Podcast. Today is the podcast on Greta Thunberg. Do you right. pronounce your last name? I don't know, man. I don't know. Some, <laughs> some Swedish chick. A lot of people are talking about her. She's saying some stuff, some cool stuff, some interesting stuff, some wonky stuff. And we'll get into it today and yeah. see what, um, what we come out with it. I don't know. Um, so I guess just to give people the full story, and uh, in case you missed out, the UN, they had a conference on climate change, and a bunch of countries, the diplomats, the leaders of a bunch of countries got together, and they decided to bring out this chick, this 16-year-old uh, teenager girl, and she was the one that was tasked with speaking on climate change and being, I guess, the global leader, the voice of the youth, the young generation in terms of the inadequacy of climate action and what the youth are really feeling about it, what they think and how, you know, uh, things need to be improved, da da da. But I don't know. Um, to me, well, before I get into it, maybe let's see what Elliot has to say and what your initial impressions of it were. Well, you know, I didn't know too much about Greta before mm -hmm. uh, you sent me that video. Uh, I had heard her do a couple of speeches, and uh, I was impressed that she, by how articulate she was for a 16-year-old and and uh, uh, confident and, you know, to, to go up and speak in front of an audience uh, such as the UN, you know, or even just an audience of people is quite impressive for a six-year-old. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, but I think what I felt after watching that video was, wow, okay, they really went for an emotional reaction. They really <laughs> were going, like, what sh she was up there using language like, how dare you? You know, how dare you, our leaders, put me in this position, keeping me out of school? Why yeah. do I need to be up here? Yeah. And it was, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I was taken aback by the applause, actually. I felt like... The applause? Yeah, because I felt mm. she was coming from a place of passion. I kind of feel her anger. Mm -hmm. And when people start clapping, when you start getting passionate angry, that would make me angry. Personally, I was... Even kinda, more angrier? Really? I would, I, hmm. Well, not angry. I feel like it's somewhat belittling in a way yeah, like to what true, i'm saying true. okay like, i would rather my audience listen in respect silence like it was almost like she was speaking to the people and saying you as in you leaders but then the leaders are like clapping back at her and it's <laughs> yeah. like oh wow no you realize i'm, oh, talk so <laughs> I'm talking to you right <laughs> yeah yeah you're the one that i'm pointing the finger at yeah like, yeah why are you clapping <laughs> and i think that actually speaks to like this fact that a lot of people don't think it's you know their fault that we're in this position they're all they're mm -hmm. like oh this inaction is is not my fault we're, you know if i was in power i'd be you know this action would be going on well that's at least what right. they want you to think to. yeah uh, but my takeaway was um that i didn't think her speech was necessarily impactful in it well no not I take that back. It was impactful in its emotional content, but mm -hmm. was Very. that was that 
the uh, type of talk we needed at the UN. Um, I don't know. I don't. I think there could have been something else talked about, and maybe some you know solutions put on the table or, or talk about them. Yeah, it's like you're the global leaders. <laughs> you're the leaders of the world, and you're turning to a 16-year-old. It's like, okay, let's see what she has to say. Okay, I've heard, I've heard. And like you said, it's purely an emotional response. And it's meant to get an emotional response more accurately from people, get people excited and angry and pissed off and... But at the end of the day, it's like when it comes to more realistic solutions, boots on the ground solutions, I mean, isn't that necessarily what these things are supposed to be about? Like, I, I don't know. It's just very uh, confusing why they chose this girl to be the spokesperson for them unless they were really just trying to pull a PR stunt because ultimately when it comes to marketing, public relations, that's what the number one uh, marketers will tell you is that marketing is all about getting an emotional response from people, right? Yeah. Tying it down to some sort of emotion. And if that's what you're doing, then that already almost right off the bat makes me question the integrity with which you're trying to approach the situation. Like, are you, okay, wait, are we trying to come up with solutions to this problem in a more logical fashion by, you know, taking on um, certain commitments that, e that each country can go through, certain, you know, um, promises to advance um, technologies, but in a sustainable manner, I don't know, some sort of cooperation? Or are we just trying to get emotionally, people to be emotionally pissed off and charged you know, up, charged up, riled up, hmm. turned up, burnt up. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I mean, I like that too, but it's like, damn, I don't know. It's well, what I think is that Greta has struck a chord with a large audience. And I think mm -hmm. definitely her age plays a huge role in it. Yeah. It, it's just golden. If you look at it from like a, marketing standpoint you have an articulate young person that young people can relate to and there's a lot of young people right now that are hearing you know the challenges of climate change and really standing up and thinking this is something that affects me this is something i'm passionate about this is something i want to do something about mm -hmm. so having a leader that reflects your age and your anger would is fantastic you, you wouldn't get that same mm -hmm. response i don't think from a younger audience if it was some old dude up there talking about climate change there would be some that would lean to that but there's she, greta definitely has the that that appeal and that's why i think she's become popular and i and i think mm -hmm. of course that's why she was used as uh, a speaker at the un um or invited to be. I don't want to say used as if there was completely a PR stunt. I mean, but I'm just saying. That's where we disagree on this. But I, I would say that yeah. she was used. Like, I don't think that that is actually an inaccurate term to use. I think that she was a object, an object that those politicians wanted to use in order to get to their means get to their ends she was a means to their ends that's ultimately how i see it and it's actually like for me really whack like what those politicians did because you are 
essentially allowing the illusions of a little girl to be amplified on mass so now the illusions of one person can be spat out into the world for the rest of people and that, i think that's what you said is so is which is so like messed up is that there are a lot of people that are seeing themselves and relating to this message that she's spreading and now there's this whole new term of like um i heard the other day eco anxiety I don't know mm. if you ever heard about this, but like, no, where, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of like what it sounds like where people are having a lot of anxiety thinking about the future of the climate and the environment. And, you know, similar to what we saw with the display from Greta Thunberg, where she's like super anxious, like, oh, how dare you this and that? Like, um, yeah, what, what was what was the thing she said? Like, how dare you make, like ruin my childhood? It's like, what part of your childhood? Like what? What part of your childhood? Like, can you can you be more specific? Like, didn't you grow up in one of the richest countries in the world, Sweden? Right? Like, I think they're pretty rich. They're pretty well off. So, what what part of your childhood are you? Did you miss out on that? People that are living in developing countries that would kill, that are literally dying, trying to cross on migrant ships to get to where you're at, that are literally having their babies drowned because they're willing to take the risk in order to sacrifice what they have in order to have the life that you have how dare you spit on those people's faces and say that your childhood was taken away like that's to me like the, the biggest thing that really struck a nerve with me with this chick is like how dare you be so ignorant of your privilege and then how dare those politicians take advantage of your ignorance to spout it to the rest of the world like that's that's to me where it's just like like what is what is this bullshit game that we're playing here that was a very woke argument there <laughs> okay because let's let me look at let me, let me play devil's advocate here okay, okay let me play okay. devil's advocate here okay? okay this is what i'm i'm thinking is the way you can also interpret what she's saying is mm -hmm. she has you know had a voice and become popular within you know circles ar around climate change right yeah her it's because I don't, I don't, of being being put on these platforms being That's put on why. these platforms yeah. right right but i think what she's saying is the fact that in this is a problem now in still a problem in my generation we've had years to get our, our you know get on board with this and get things done as you know yes i am become popular but i feel like everybody has a choice okay you could say greta could say you know what great i think it's great that you guys all want to follow me but i need to have a childhood and i need to go to school and i need to do this i can't be doing all these speeches uh, these speeches and stuff like that but i feel like she's now seems whether through her parents or societal pressure that she has some sort of um duty to to continue doing this because she sees the response of it now i'm thinking that was what she speaks to the fact that she is growing up in an age where climate change has still you know have not been dealt with leaders have not taken action she now has she feels and now she's put in this position where she has this kind of duty maybe is what she's feeling to to, to speak up because people are listening to her and and that has impacted with her childhood i think that's where she's coming from it does 
I, I'm not so sure that that's what she's referring to when she says, when you've taken away my, my childhood, is that due to her now being invited to, like, UN conferences? Because I think that she's, in, like, let's not, let's, like, who's if, kidding if who? Like, you think she's not enjoying having all the spotlight, having all this, like, all, all, all this love and attention where... For a girl, when you look at her history, it's actually documented that she would have high levels of anxiety, high levels of uh, wanting to fit in, feeling bad about, um, you know, uh, being out in the public. And uh, it's, it's, it's been documented that this girl suffers from um, certain to a degree of um, neuroticism or some sort of, uh, you know, mental, like, restrictions on how she perceives the world and is she actually referring to okay i've waste you've wasted my childhood by me attending these un conferences or is she saying you've killed my childhood or wasted my childhood via this unsolved issue of climate change which has taken away from the childhood that i was owed I think it's more the latter. I don't know if she's actually saying. I could be wrong with the intention here, but I, I, that's how my thought would be, or it was initially that she's saying, "Oh, you stole my childhood," in the sense that due to this climate disaster that we're in, my childhood has been like turned to shit. Not 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 due to necessarily. Oh, I have to travel and like do all these conferences now, and like there's all this media, and I'm so popular. Like my life sucks. Like da da da. I don't, I don't know though because I, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't know so much about Greta's mm -hmm. psychological state and or any of those claims about where. But I mean, oh yeah, no, it's 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 been documented. That, sure. that, that's what's that's what's another thing that's wrong with this thing is that because this girl has suffered from these things, it's almost like you're taking advantage of somebody that's almost at a more fragile point in their life. And I don't yeah, know, it's, it's like you're like taking advantage of these kids to point your message. And I don't know, it just seems really gross from mm, that point of view. Mm, yeah. Uh, but I do think going back to your point that I, that it was your latter argument about the fact that climate change is has not been dealt with it's a problem now in this generation young people know it's going to affect them in the future and that they need they feel the need to gather and protest and show adults that this matters to them is kind of fucked up that's what she's trying to say there it's kind of fucked up that you adults you know haven't taken care of this and that we kids need to quote unquote you know push you guys to do this you know what the hell you know, most people don't expect kids, you know, below whatever, 16, 15, 14, to have to, you know, you can't vote, you can't drink, you aren't expected to take on a responsibility, especially the responsibility of being the main proponents for action on climate change. And, and so I think that's what she was speaking to. Like, isn't it crazy that a bunch of kids have to be here yelling at you to do something? What's going on here? Maybe, uh, maybe, yeah. I don't know. I, I, even, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Even if that's true, even if that was her intention, mm. um, and if it's coming from a genuine place, which I'm not saying it wasn't, mm. you know, that's totally legitimate. It's, it's a question of 
what was the place from which those politicians were coming from, the ones that were putting her up on that stage? What was their intentions? How are they trying to use her in their ploy of getting policies passed or getting things done? Because from the way that I see it is that if you're having a panel, a meeting of global powers Mm -hmm. i mean think about the time money energy that needs to be put into organizing one of these events just to get the un in one place all the flight expenses all the uh accommodations all the logistics the planning of getting these people to be in one room together and then considering all that considering all that and and not to say that it's, it's like climate uh awareness has come about just all of a sudden from Greta. Obviously, it's been talked about before her existence, right? right? We can't credit climate um, activism to only Greta. So these people were getting together. They were trying to come up with solutions. But still, the solutions that they're posing are, I don't know, maybe they're they're insufficient or they're not coming to fruition or something is up there for them to feel the need to then okay since something's not going right we need to bring in this girl to start yelling at people to start doing something where we're the ones that are supposed to be doing something so who again like it goes back to that thing who is she yelling at it's at those people she's yelling at those people to do their shit so if they're aware of that then there's got to be something deeper happening here you know what i mean like if they genuinely took what she had to say at heart, then they would just act on what she was saying. They they wouldn't just put her up on stage. So it's like, what are the theatrics at play here? What are the, uh, I don't know, what are, what are the optics? Because with politics, it's all about show. It's all about appearances. It's, it's all a game of illusions, smokes and mirrors. So what are they trying to show to people? Because it's not solutions. Nobody expects solutions from 16-year-olds. Right? It's like right. you said, they don't even vote. They don't even do shit. They don't know shit. They think they know something, but they don't. Right? So nobody expects solutions. So, okay, we know that she wasn't being posted with solutions. No. Uh, so what was the intent? It was, I mean, purely emotional. Yes. And again, it's like you're purely taking advantage of somebody that is in a emotional state and potentially some sort of existential crisis and you're using her to market your inefficient policies and essentially saying that um look do what i tell you to do and if not there's going to be crying children it's like (laughs) okay like that's Either way, there's always going to be crying children. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, either way you go, there's going to be some kids somewhere that's crying. That's what kids do. They cry. They complain. They cry. There's no solutions. Again. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just come back to it. It's like, what, like, when these guys are just not coming up with solutions that people actually want to hear about. Like, say, for example, why not champion somebody like Boyan Slat, who is, uh, I believe, this Dutch kid. He's like 20, 21 mm-hmm. years old, and he's already um, created these uh, methods for collecting a bunch of plastics in the deep oceans and mm. seas, right? Like, you have this kid that's a perfect example of somebody that's not just complaining about the issues, but he's actually coming up with solutions through technologies that are actually low cost. Um, and they're able to not disrupt the economy on mass scale with 
certain pullbacks of certain programs, you know, certain pullbacks of oil, whatever. I'm not a huge proponent of oil, but again, like, is there's some sort of balance that has to be at play here. Um, and instead of, again, using somebody of that capacity that is actually coming up with solutions and somebody that can, they can use as a champion as an example of technological innovations that they're looking for, you know, again, like we're using this girl who's had documented mental illnesses, who has literally uh, been documented to be skipping school because of her high levels of anxiety and now her high levels of anxiety are being put on display for the world to exhibit and believe fall into the indoctrination of this UN panel because they don't have legitimate solutions based on logic so number one so their other option is to portray solutions based on emotions and if you don't agree with those emotions then that means you're a bad person that's again like where where i'm coming from is like like almost like a, a level deeper it's like we it's like everything that you said about greta could be true but even but like that still the, like doesn't offset those deeper motivations from those politicians that are coming in uh yeah it's i don't know well you, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Let me let me try to put together some of my thoughts as I, I had them as I listening to what okay. you were saying okay. there. Uh, first off, I absolutely agree. Boys should have more media time. That you know he he, he doesn't get what he deserves in terms of uh, uh, you know uh, just having a platform to show his his great idea. But I think that well, let's look at this. So we know that to solve global. Uh, warming to, to solve climate change it's going to take a global collaboration any solution will yeah right so this involves uh getting people to agree on certain certain topics right i think what we see when we see someone like greta being brought to the un or uh, leonardo caprio talking at the un a couple <laughs> years back is <laughs> a very sad state of affairs because it says we're still at the stage of trying to convince people to care about this. We aren't even at the point to talk about solutions. We've tried to talk about solutions like doing these Paris Accord and stuff like that. And people, you know, say their bit and then they maybe sign like China did and do nothing and or some other country. And these things don't get done because they aren't taking it seriously. But that's, but, that's, but here, I'm not oh, sure if that's true, but OK, go on. Well, what are you not sure about? That, that, that some countries I, aren't taking it seriously? No, I think that people do care, mm. but they are concerned about the solutions being proposed. Yes, I think that 100%. You're, so I think that's the worst. That's where I would exactly. agree with you that uh, part of the tactics which I've been seeing is for, to push forward uh, bad policies by certain parties, like, like the Green New Deal or something like that, is to say this here's are some solutions like we should stop you know eating meat we should stop you know um having uh, uh, uh nuclear plants or and or um uh what's the other one besides uh minimize flights minimize flights stuff like that they they, they go okay here's our solution package why don't you why, and and people are refusing to pass this because the solutions are just so bad in it but they keep pushing them and they find other ways to push it forward and they yeah you might be right they're using this uh, greta to go 
okay, listen, here, here is something sad. This, you know, here's something that might get you caring about this. And then right after that, they go, oh, why don't you just pass this? And they slap down this policy. <laughs> yeah. And 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 people that maybe they'll get that emotional response that people will quickly sign on to something. <laughs> oh, that's so as silly. you're crying, here, can you sign this uh, this deed to your house? Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like the classic uh, starving. Um, polar bear on the ice cap it it, it <laughs> gets this emotional response that that <clears throat> fires people up to do something and maybe in that way it's a bit of a they're trying to use it as a distraction to so that people don't look so closely at bad policies and yeah. they get them passed but you know you know, putting that all aside it's like we haven't really talked about the elephant in the room which is like these un panels this opportunity to speak to our global leaders and get us all on board have failed year after year it seems to try to tackle this like and i know i've played around with this idea a little bit and it just definitely has holes in it but i'm gonna repeat it out here just so you can okay listeners can kind of i want to hear people's opinions on it but okay it's getting controversial i think (laughs) okay um that the UN could be a place where you have companies, entrepreneurs, engineers put forward ideas that they think will help tackle the climate um, change issue, but are taking it from different angles. And I'm, I'm including just environmental topics as well, such as cleaning up the oceans, which maybe won't directly relate to uh, reductions in greenhouse gases, but is again about keeping the earth uh you know uh, in better shape keeping your air cleaner keeping keeping uh water cleaner all that stuff and having a so then these speakers would be invited to go and talk at the un and then countries could basically decide on which ones they want to help back which which ideas they want to support because the reality is, if you think of the earth like a house, there's a lot of chores that need to be done to keep the house running clean. Some people have got to do the dishes. Some people have got to clean the bathroom. Some people have got to you know, sweep the floors. And some countries, like developing countries, are not in the position to want to do certain tasks. They don't want to reduce their uh, coal burning or gas uh, burning because that is a huge part of their economic growth right now. But okay and that you know isn't great great but it's understandable so why don't they tackle something else why don't they tackle something like cleaning clean water uh cleaning plastic out of the oceans they could talk they could tackle um development in carbon capture it goes okay yeah you can continue to burn your your gas and your coal but why don't you say i'm going to invest in the companies that are going to innovate to make cheap ways of carbon capture and then in that way i'm doing my part this research gets it done faster and hopefully those those carbon captures get to a point where they can start being putting them on the onto those onto those generators i'm just thinking that it should be looked at as like not everybody wants to have a carbon tax even though a carbon tax globally would be an effective way to curb climate change mm-hmm. <laughs> but good luck in certain countries to join on that yeah it's not gonna happen getting the whole globe to join on that exactly that's yeah that's where the issue comes in but um when when it comes to the governments and 
them using like for example being pitched certain ideas and stuff i think you nailed home what the issue of having a one size fits all solution mm. is and what you were talking about was that like getting down to the specifics of what each country is capable and willing of doing so we have to be both willing to do it and capable of doing and that's what i was saying before sometimes countries are willing to do stuff but they're not capable because they're not willing to make the sacrifices necessary in order to get to that objective that this globe has put forward as you said certain countries aren't going to um give up their coal production their oil production because you know what developing those energy sources are going to lead to an increased level of wealth for their people and that's ultimately who they're accountable to is their people mm. the people of india the people of china the people of wherever you want to look at they're accountable to their people they're representing their people it's game theory right everybody's looking out for their own best interests interests so that's when you have this whole issue come in where you're trying to come up with one size fits all solution that not every country is capable of doing and i think what you said could have some merit if there was some sort of way to get an appropriate kind of okay based on your gdp based on your level of development your capabilities uh your access to resources this is something that you can do as being custom for your country based on what you're capable of and willing of doing but then that comes down to like the whole issue of okay you as a third party country are going to see that oh well why are these guys only doing this much and i have to do this much and you know those questions start to take hold of um how do you do things in a way that's not only fair to each country but perceived to be fair by all the other countries that are watching and the the, the issue is that as you said before with like green new deal or something that a lot of people that again are maybe willing of doing something but maybe aren't capable of making the drastic changes that are being proposed by some of these propositions like green new deal or um whatever they're just like we're looking at what you guys are asking and what we need to do for our people and it just doesn't match so sorry we're going to go a different way meanwhile there's um again the, this kind of dichotomy of what the people want what they're capable of doing and then what the press covers in terms of what people want so that for example the press has been giving a lot of coverage to this to this greta story but meanwhile uh, over here in canada maybe it's different across the pond in europe and stuff but there's been almost zero coverage of the jean gilet in France and in other parts of Europe. I don't know if you're familiar with these guys, but they're the ones that are protesting and they had been protesting for many, uh, many months um, with uh, yellow like cross guard vests. The yellow and, jacket movement yeah, you're talking about? Yeah. yeah, exactly. But that's getting almost zero press coverage over here because it, it goes against the narrative of what the media and what those institutions want for uh to to portray to the masses that oh we're we're capable of making these changes we should be making these changes towards adopting a carbon tax adopting all these things are going to reduce global environmental emissions but then meanwhile this whole movement is essentially saying that 
hey, we do agree that there is climate change. We do agree that there's these things happening. But at the same time, like what's happening in terms of these policies that are being implemented, our lives are getting messed up. It's being harder to live our lives out. And that's why we're out here in the streets protesting. And mm. we want something to be done. But, you know, it has to be like we got to change the frame with which we're viewing things. We're like we're focusing on, you know, having clean water as opposed to like other other solutions that are more abstract almost like if you if you made the, the pitch okay let's have a certain quality of water like who's going to argue with that or let's have a certain quality of air who's going to argue with that i'm sure not the people in those chinese cities where they have 365 days of smog a year they're going to be like yes clean air that's a good idea i don't you know what i mean yeah like um so to me, it all, it all comes down to solutions, the motives, what are people capable of, what are people willing to do, and how are things being portrayed in, in the media? How are things being portrayed? Because there's a lot of people that want to do stuff, but they're looking at the solutions being proposed, and they're like, none of this is palatable. So then the issue becomes, how do we scale things back to a point where everybody can get on the same page everybody can be on the same level and that's a pretty complex uh question to be answered but i think it does demonstrate why having one panel that decides that this is the way to move forward it takes away from the nuances of each individual country and the necessities and requirements and the capabilities of each individual country mm -hmm. and how there does have to be a certain like, okay, we got to do what we're capable of doing, but it's just like, how do you do that in a way that's fair and perceived to be fair by all? Like that's really the, the ultimate issue. Um, I don't know if we can come up with a solution to that real quick. <laughs> I don't know if we can, but I, yeah, I think the issue comes down to collaboration and doing it in a way that no party feels like somebody was a freeloader. And, and, yeah. and you know, this is really hard to do. We know from doing group projects in school that the dynamics of having a great group where everybody pulls their weight and everybody doesn't, you know, comes out and, you know, mm -hmm. goes, oh, wow, that was fairly divided and we all pull together. Yeah. That doesn't always happen. It actually happens very rarely it takes a good it <laughs> takes a good project manager to keep things yeah. in, in shape and the exactly. un i think should be that project manager i think first we got to recognize that like you said there's going to be certain strengths and weaknesses to different countries they have their own idiosyncrasies and and so we need to have a good project manager that says okay you're good at doing this do that and but i think what's key is in any collaboration everybody has to at least play a part if you at least play a part in it yeah um that's way better than being the person that did nothing or was counterproductive to the movement. You will always be looked at as an outcast or somebody who didn't pull their weight and be, you know, disliked by others. And with a global solution, you can't be that person. I just, it, you know, it won't, it won't pan out well for things. And, um, I think I don't have a solution for that besides saying that we need better project management and a more diverse set of um, solutions that can be cherry picked by different countries to, to be targeted towards their strengths and what they what they're capable of achieving. But the second thing you brought up was the whole disproportionate media coverage of different events, especially ones that don't target their narrative, something like the Yellowjack movement, which I, I wish I knew more about, but I would like just to speak to something like, um, the carbon tax. Why governments here, like Government of Canada, 
came out with this universal uh, carbon tax. We know that this carbon tax um, is, well, we don't know this, but here's what I'm going to point out, is Bill Nordhaus, most recent, you know, uh, what was it, what did he win? Nobel Nobel Prize, Prize I can't believe, yeah, yeah, thank you, Nobel Prize, economics, has said, yeah, right, right, so he says a global carbon tax will be effective. The key here is it needs to be global. Once you start doing it on a regional, you get, you're playing a dangerous game with your economy of your country. But no government in that enacts it. You, you know, United States or Canada, those proponents of it are not saying you know this could to- totally destroy our economy. They want to point to you, Bill Norhouse's work and conclusions and say, "Listen, this guy's supporting this." He, no, he doesn't. It has to be global to be effective. And so the media is obviously not going to well not obviously but the media that are in cahoots in the sense with the government's plans of policy are not going to focus on reasons why like these tools they're trying to employ are ineffective tools and what i think is frustrating to people that want to see real change happen is go okay yeah, I, you know, I get to see tools being, you know, used, but let's choose some tools that actually are right for the job. Why are we, you know, bringing a hammer when we need a screwdriver, you know, and you're proposing this hammer. And then you, when you say that when we vote against this hammer, you're thinking we don't want any action on climate change. No, we just want action, but we want actions that's going to be effective. And when I hear, you know, my uh, Nobel Prize winner telling us that, you know, this is not effective and dangerous for our economy. And it, that really affects me on a personal level, like my well-being, my livelihood. Um, yeah, I'm going to be concerned. And uh, so I, you know, my point is here, if I have to sum up, is, you know, we want solutions and we want good solutions. Yay. <laughs> Amen, to Amen to that. Amen to that. Captain Obvious over here. We want solutions. We got <laughs> I mean, no, I just um, like, I just yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, yeah, maybe that's a little too short. I guess. Yeah, it's a no, no, it's, just a sink. It's yeah. But it's, when you um, won't even have a discussion about alternative solutions or why your solutions are bad, we mm-hmm. we, we run into problems, and that's what's happening a lot. People having a tendency to to just you know cherry pick the solutions that you know, confirm their preconceived notions without necessarily taking a, a, a fuller step back to look at things in a more third person point of view in a more objective manner. So it's it's not surprising that No, it's know, not. And I, I'm one of those people. I have uh-huh. to do this. It's like a constant, you know, thing that I think people have to do and I have to do personally is you always you have to dissect some of these ideas you have. So yeah. well, I think it's an inherent human uh, characteristic to have that have yeah. that ability to try to be, have the part of your mind that plays the lawyer that wants to defend your ideas and find ways to defend it mm-hmm. and 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 but you you know we all but you got to dissect it too you got to yes. dissect your what your opponent 
mm. would say, and this is something interesting that I heard the other day actually, was that you don't want to underestimate the opposing point of view. You want to look at somebody that might counter what you have to say and think of them in terms of what is the best possible argument that they that somebody could pose against what I'm saying mm. and not just straw man their argument and be happy with disposing of some sort of basic argument that you came up with that's a really straw man of what the person's actually trying to say but take a really good look at what the opposing thoughts are saying look at them from the point of view of like a really good critique and not just a straw man critique and then break that critique down and that's what we're trying to do over here on the first principles podcast trying to break down all of our preconceived notions related to environment related to climate and try to understand what's the truth and not saying that we have all the solutions but trying to post some solutions trying to understand things at a deeper level trying to question things question the things that we're told and hopefully you guys can get some appreciation on that too um i don't know if you have anything left to say on this subject today no i think you summed that up nicely though (laughs) all right all right okay glad we got that thumbs up of approval good stuff good stuff well that was the episode on um greta so i mean we covered a bunch of topics there Mm. but uh, a bit more of an uh, opinion piece less facts and numbers but let us know what you think do you like more of the opinion stuff do you like more of the facts and numbers stuff and uh yeah we'll catch you guys later until then stay green stay clean and stay mean (laughs) 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 (laughs)